Today we have Eric Upchurch on the show. Do you want to be a connector and be influential in multifamily real estate? Learn how from Eric Upchurch, a successful business owner and real estate investor. He and his team built an education platform with over 30,000 members. And get this, with over 90% engagement from those members. Listen to learn how Eric and his team help its military members achieve financial freedom. Before we jump into the intro, a huge shout out and thank you. We hit 300 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. I am learning so much from each and every one of the guests on the show, and I hope that you are also. Thanks again for helping out. Now, on to the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing. Be introduced to the players that are getting it done and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Eric Upchurch before we start the show. Eric served in the military and spent six years in the Night Stalkers Special Ops Unit. He has since teamed up with several partners to help enlisted military members achieve financial freedom. I love his and his team's focus on listening to the needs of its members and then developing solutions to meet those needs. He listens first, then develops a solution. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Eric Upchurch here with us. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to add some value to your community. Absolutely. So just a little bit on how I know Eric. Um, actually, this is the first time we're going to talk, um, but I know one of his business partners. I went on a mastermind uh, that David Tupin put on. Um, so Tim and I met Tim Kelly there and Tim is one of Eric's business partners and they, they do a podcast together. And, um, you know, I also see Eric all over on social media. So I am interested to hear his story and uh, hear what he's got going on. So uh, with that, um, how many properties and how many units are you currently invested in? Um, as of this month, a uh, thousand fifty-two doors as a general partner, and about uh, over five hundred as a limited partner. That is awesome. So you guys have a podcast called Active Duty Passive Income. You also have an education platform. Can you just talk a little bit about you know what your guys' focus is and yeah. you know how you benefit that community? Clear and simple financial freedom for those who serve. Um, there, there was a gap uh, between financial literacy and education for military members. It's not the military's job to, to teach that. Uh, so we made it our duty. Um, military is very good at, you know, protecting and defending and, and mission focused. And, um, but you know, you often, oftentimes in the military, you have a, uh, any kind of financial education that you would receive is, is, is wrapped into a four day weekend safety brief and just <laughs> chunked together, you know, in a PowerPoint, no one's really paying attention and they, tell you to invest in this, you know, TSP and, uh, this basically a 401k and set it and forget it. And we got you covered type of thing. And then, um, and then they move on to the safety brief. So 
Uh, and that's generalizing, of course, but they don't teach general uh, principles. Obviously, in high schools in America, we're not teaching this stuff adequately. Colleges, unless right. you focus on it, they're not teaching it. Um, and so just in general, there's a lack of financial literacy and education. And we know as military members, there was that gap. So we created in 2017 the idea of military um, military members and real estate investing and created that niche of military real estate investors. So now we have... Uh, as of recording this podcast, we have 30,000 members in our community and Holy growing at a, and growing at 10% per month um, uh, for the last couple of years. So pretty amazing. We have a 93% engagement rate in the community, uh, which is astronomical. What, um, what would you define that as? What does that mean, engagement rate? Uh, people who are, who are not just in a group, but actively participating, commenting, liking, sharing, adding to the, to the community and things like that. So that's, that's, crazy. that's actually a, that's actually a metric. Yeah. That's huge. Um, and then, so now what we did was in 2017 was started with, uh, just doing like, just adding, you know, started, like, it was like a hundred people in a group or 50 people in a group when I started out. And, uh, we just were like, well, let's add some content to the group. And then as you kind of scheduled out, and this is great for anyone who wants to create a community or build a podcast or whatever it is, you start out just by adding like five pieces of content, write a blog, do a Facebook live challenge with you and your buddies, um, you know, post every day, something that will engage people and get, cause everyone likes to talk about themselves. So ask people about themselves and what's what they're struggling with. And so as this community started to, to be built, um, we started hearing our community say, well, we could use lending services. We could use, you know, whole life insurance policy information. We could use asset protection. We could use a CPA. We could use all of these. So, uh, real estate, um, real estate agents. So now we have a mortgage company. We have an insurance company that focuses on whole life as an investment, uh, policy. We have uh, real estate brokerage. Um, and all of that is to serve. And of course the education company, which has single and multifamily investing academies and masterminds, but all of that came from us listening to our community them responding and saying, man, this was great. We want more. And then we just built a team around the idea that it's our duty to make sure that military members have the, the resources at hand to do what they want to do while they serve. You don't have to spend 20 years in and then come out with a $2,800 pension at the end of 20 years serving your country. You could have, you know, that could be for cash flowing properties instead make, making up that difference, right? So it just depends on what people's goals are. And that's always the first question. What are your goals? We don't want to force somebody into choosing a path that doesn't agree with them, but man, it's been amazing to watch the community grow. And, you know, now it's just off to the races with all kinds of different things that we're able to do um, now that the company has more resources to grow as well. That, that's great. What I what I loved about what you said was um, because you hear the, the opposite a lot. You hear build it and they will come. But, you know, you guys did come together and start with a small group. But then you went to that group and said, what do you want more of? What do you and and then you built it based on the feedback that you got, which is fantastic. Yeah. And well, what it's, it's it's we're still doing that. Well, that'll never stop for us. The the we, we need to serve our brothers and sisters in arms before, before ourselves, before our company. And, and that's something that we're going to always focus on. So we have to listen. We have to ask those questions. If we veer off in the wrong direction with something, our community will let us know. And that's just an amazing thing. And imagine this, imagine creating a niche where there's inherent trust. 
you know, like if you start a, a Facebook group or a community of your own, uh, anywhere on the internet, they don't trust you until they, until they know you. Right. Um, we, because we speak the language, the military language, we've deployed together, we've lost brothers and sisters together. Um, they, there's a little bit of, well, Hey, these guys speak my language. They understand what I've been through. They've done the things that they're teaching and, and, and used the resources they're providing. These are my brothers. There's nothing that they're going to do. That's going to harm me. Um, so really neat to, to, to have created this niche and to watch it and foster it. Um, so it grows. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Um, it's, you know, forming connections with, with other people and, you know, forming a bond. And a lot of times, um, you know, what makes that bond, um, secure is, is having gone through, you know, a similar struggle together, uh, or a similar experience. And so you've done that. So what, um, what branch of the services were you in? First of all, thank you for your service. And- oh, I, absolutely. I appreciate the support. Um, I served in Special Operations Aviation Regiment, um, known as 160th Night Stalkers. Um, so we we inserted the SEALs that got Bin Laden, um, you know, the big black helicopters with the refueling probes on the front of them. Holy that cow, are all, really? All the, that are in all the, all the movies, you know, the black helicopters yeah. and stuff. Yeah, you were so in I, that group? I, yeah, I served uh, my entire uh, enlistment, which was uh, six years. I served in that unit. And wh- when I enlisted, a funny story, I uh, graduated from UC Santa Barbara, met my wife there, and um, ended up enlisting. So when you graduate from college, you typically would go and become an officer, and your pay is higher. You have a degree, right? So you, you go become an officer. I chose to be enlisted because uh, two things. One, it paid off all of my college debt. So it was just the Army re- uh, loan repayment program. So I had $50,000 in college debt and it just wiped it clean. I was like, well, that's awesome. And then also I knew from an early age, from the time I was 12 years old, I knew I was an influencer. I knew I was a manager of people, a leader. Um, to some extent, I had this, I didn't know, I wouldn't call it a manager or something or a leader necessarily, but I knew that I always wanted to be the guy in charge, even walking through the cornfields in Iowa at 12 years old, I became a team leader watching the, the other detasselers picking the rows and making sure that they did it right and things. And then every job I ever had since then, even till now, I always just, so this is just a, a character trait. I didn't choose it. It chose me type of thing. And I just recognized it and fostered it, but always wanted to influence people. So enlisted, being enlisted in the military meant that I was then going to be able to take any knowledge and experience I had as a 25 year old and go and mentor guys who are 18. So I go to basic training, I go to advanced individual training to learn my trade. uh, And my only focus, this is the funny part of the story was to make it to my wedding. So I I had enlisted in January. My, um, my wedding was in Ventura, California in July, the end of July. And so I had this six month window where I, I, if you, if I would have made the wrong drill sergeant mad, uh, if I would have had any kind of disciplinary action, sprained an ankle, flunked a test, a physical test or written test or anything, I would have been recycled back to the class behind me and I would have missed my class. I mean, my wedding, your wedding. So, so, um, because I was trying so hard I ended up as the distinguished honor graduate for basic training and for advanced training. And that then I didn't realize it then, but special operations comes and picks the top, you know, the top tier guys from each, each class to come into the unit. So I ended up in special operations, not even knowing it was a thing, 
because I was trying to make it to my wedding. <laughs> so, and I'm very, glad it was an amazing career. So very cool. Um, I'm sure that that's part, definitely part of the story, but you're being a little humble and you're probably a, a high achiever in any, in any event, uh, anyways, but um, so how did you and Tim and I, I believe Mike Foster is part of, part of your group also, um, how did the three of you guys come together? Yeah. So, um, at the very beginning, it was, uh, it was Markion and Mike who started, uh, they basically had created the military real estate investing Academy, which is now revamped. It's 85 lessons all taught by us of just stuff that we, that anyone would need to know from taxes to legal, to how to get started to military house hacking, which is the title of our book. All that stuff is wrapped in there. You say 85 lessons. Is that yeah. like 85 like videos that people can, you know, members can watch? 85, vi- yeah, it's it's basically a, a slideshow and we're, we're kind of, um, our faces are in there talking and stuff too. Yep, just going through all the stuff. Calculators and yeah, the whole thing. It's very comprehensive. Um, and we make it very accessible, very low barrier to entry for military members, of course, as well. So, um, but so I basically... Uh, found ADPI when it was a Facebook group of a hundred people that, that, so I, so the three of us co-founded, um, the company I found Tim after I remember where I was, I was, um, near Sacramento, California, listening to the bigger pockets podcast. And Tim was on there. He and his buddy, um, had just closed a deal. I think that 42 unit and, um, he, he, like he does uh, every time he leaves his phone number at the end of the podcast. So I pull over and I call this guy and I'm like, Tim, my name's Eric. We've got this company, active duty, passive income. Let's talk. And then are we just aligned? And now he's our, he's our uh, VP of education. And, um, and it's been fantastic working with Tim. So that that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. What a great ride. So, yep. um, you're, I'm trying to back into the, how old you are. I'm thinking that you are, let me see. You were you went in at twenty five. You had six years of service. That's thirty one. Um, you started the company two thousand seventeen. So I'm thinking maybe thirty five. Forty one. Forty one. Holy cow! <laughs> you you he looks he looks like a baby. Check him out on YouTube, man. He, he looks like a young guy. I'm fifty one. So I keep telling um, my kids, I'm like I'm like, do I have any gray hair in my chin yet? I, I <laughs> not that's, yet. That's probably no. where it's gonna come in first, boys. So keep looking. <laughs> Yeah. My, my kids tell me my hair is white. So, um, Hey, you know, when you get started in, in investing, um, I think there's a couple scary parts in there. One is the first deal. So I'd like you to talk about what was your first deal? Was it a single family home or multifamily or what? And then two, you know, for people that really become successful, there's, there's a kind of a launching period point where all of a sudden they figure out really how to scale. And, mm-hmm. and so talk about those two things. Um, the first one and, and scaling and what that moment was like. I, I love this because the, the reason that our company exists is because we, we, it, I've said this before, it's our duty to just light a spark. We all experienced some spark, an epiphany moment of like, holy cow, that guy did that. Okay. So, so most, and, and so how that dovetails into military members, the best way is most military members end up as landlords inadvertently. So I bought a single family property in 2006 while I was in Iraq. My wife signed on the, on the documents. 
It was 100% loan to value with a VA loan, no PMI, which is something we write about in our book and all over the place. And so, and actually the builder, it was a new construction, the builder paid closing costs. So I literally came to the closing table with no money out of pocket. Now, Holy cow, 100% crazy. leveraged in 2006, not exactly the best scenario, right? Right, right. So I, like dozens, hundreds or thousands of other veterans at that time, uh, or military, you know, active duty service members at the time were, okay, now you move in two to four, six years, whatever it is, you have to move to a new duty station it's called PCS, permanent change of station, right? So now you end up with a house that's 100% leveraged. Maybe it has equity to, to refinance. Maybe it doesn't. But um, in our case, we moved, we lived in it for four years, moved back to California where my wife's from and realized we could not sell it for a profit. And we decided not to take a loss, but just to rent it out. It could cash flow barely. And I say like 80 bucks a month, it was cash flowing. So anytime the air conditioner broke, we were, you know, that's like six months worth of uh, cash flow, quote unquote cash flow. <laughs> but that, so then years later, I realized that, man, and when we're building this company, if we can teach people to evaluate their single family, duplex, triplex, or fourplex, so residential, if we can get them as they move from one duty station to the next to analyze that as a potential future investment property to run the numbers that way, then we're going to save military members a lot of the same headache that we went through and right. that people are still doing. And so, um, so so then I, you know, rich dad, poor dad, I've found that I went, I also paid 30 grand to, for, you know, a coaching program, um, to, to flip houses in the San Francisco Bay area. And that's back in 2014 or something. And so I was kind of like in learning mode at that point. And then it was just honing my craft, figuring out kind of horizontally what I like to do. And so this is kind of part of the scaling. It was really trying a bunch of different things. I did tax liens. Uh, I did a few flips. I did some, some burr strategy stuff, um, some private lending, some self-directed IRA investing, um, live in, live in flipping was what we did in the Bay area a few times. So I was doing a lot of learning at the beginning. And then as you're going through that, you start to build more relationships and start honing in on what you're good at, which is usually what you're also, um, uh, successful at, or you could flip it around the other way. You're successful at whatever you're good at usually, or whatever your passion becomes. Like I hate tax liens. Sure. You couldn't, you couldn't pay me to buy a tax lien now because, <laughs> and that's fine. A lot of people talked to a guy last year who all he does is tax lien. He's really good at it and loves it. To me, it's just, I don't have control. It's too slow. I want to, you know, something different. So through horizontal movement and learning, uh, and just constantly taking action, always learning, growing, failing, stumbling back, moving forward. I, my network grew. I started learning who and how, and then it, scaling became a little easier because I had more resources at hand. And that's maybe, maybe obvious to some people, but, um, but the networking aspect, I mean, we, we, we say, learn, network, take action. Well, I, I say three, I say four things, learn all you can network your butt off, add value to others, which some people wrap into the networking piece, but I have it separately. Um, and then take action. If you, if you do those four things with the intention to be 1% better daily, success will hunt you down. So whether you're getting started or you're scaling up, learn, network, add value to others and take action. The adding value piece is critical because it's super networking. If I know that you have a deal 
and I'm talking to, to you and I'm talking to someone else who has no deal and lots of money, if I'm listening to you and to them intently, um, I can put you together and become really valuable to two parties. And that's how you expand. That's how you grow. That's how you get from deal zero to one even. And then, you know, that's always, you know, a lot of people say that's the hardest deal. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. So that's an important point that you just brought up, you know, that you, you listen. Um, so, I mean, we already talked about you listening to all your members, but then when you're networking, you're listening. And sometimes um, that word adding value, it may, add, you may add value where you are involved in the transaction or this, the example you just gave was, was not that it was, Hey, you're talking to this person over in this corner of the room. They're looking for somebody and you're like, you know what? I just talked to somebody that fits that criteria. Let me put them together. And, you know, something amazing happens when you do that. Both of those parties, they, they are very thankful and grateful that you did that. And they want to reciprocate somehow. They, you know, it's just human nature. And so I think that that's a very important lesson that you just shared. Yep. I want people to walk away with, you know, who's a really good connector of people, Eric Upchurch, you should go talk to him. So even if I am not doing a deal with him, I don't, I'm definitely not even considering it's, it's completely, it's got to be, it's funny. It's got to be self um, selfless, I would say, but I do it for, I also say I do it for selfish reasons because I like it. So it's, it's what makes me feel good when I can go, Oh, I've got a solution for you. So if you're, if you're somebody who's listening to this right now and going like, Oh yeah, I love solving people's problems. That's how you make money in this business. Be known network. You have to tell people who you are and what you need and what you can provide and then connect people and just be involved. Always talk to, I mean, my, I had an orthoscopic knee surgery, <clears throat> 41 years old. That's what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this year. And I was talking to my surgeon about ways to, you know, save on taxes through multifamily investing. And sure. my, my wife's a little embarrassed about it when I do it and things like that. But it's important that the people around you know that, you know, you're a multifamily investor and that you're listening to them. I mean, you, you know, as well as I do, when someone's talking to you, and they're looking right through your head. They're not paying attention to what you're saying. They might ask about your family, and then they're like trying to figure out what the next conversation is going to be, looking around the room and not paying attention. That's not super networking. That's superficial. So you want to really right. get in, and, and if you don't think the person is particularly interesting, pretend. You'll, you'll be surprised at what you can uncover when you really treat people with genuine value. Yeah, and I, and I would say also... Um, you know, don't make the decision for them, you know, like in that example, Hey, I'm going to introduce them. You know, it may work out for them. It may not, but you know, you're giving it a shot. I mean, I, I think back to an example, I had one guy, I went and met with him locally here. He was going after his first deal. He actually had it on contract and he wanted me to partner with him. And it was just in a market that I wasn't in and didn't really want to be in. So I, you know, I, I said, you know what, I thought about it, but I'm going to pass. But then I thought of another guy who I had talked to that was in that market, boots on the ground. And I was like, why don't I put those two guys in touch with, with each other? So I did. And it didn't take me much time. I just shared a contact, you know, said, hey, you guys may want to talk. You, you know, you're, in, you're looking for deals in the same market. Well, they got together. They bought that deal together. And that, 
now they're about to, to, to sell it and they're going to make great money. Yep. And you know, I didn't get anything out of that deal, but I, I felt good by helping those, those people, you know, right. both of them, it was their first deal, awesome. multifamily deal. Yep. So, um, so, um, but that's interesting because I'm sure you hear it a lot from the, you know, on the military side, I hear a lot from, especially the younger um, guys that reach out to me on Instagram or whatever. And they're like, what value can I provide? Like they, they've already kind of sold themselves out yeah. that they don't have value to provide. How do you answer that? So for me, I, you know, I tell them, you know, you have to look at your inventory of, you know, what do you have? And then find somebody else that has comp, you know, is complimentary. So it, you know, for I'm just going to, you know, be a little bit in terms of um, young people. A lot of times they don't have a ton of money, mm-hmm. right? They're yep. just starting their career. Um, so they're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And so I'm like, look, there's a lot of, lot of syndicators that don't want to chase every deal, don't want to underwrite every deal, don't want to go out on property tours. Um, they, yeah. You know, so you can do a lot of the legwork, yep. but you have to build those relationships. Secondly, I tell them, hey, look, you know, when you're talking to your aunt, your uncle, your parents, your neighbors, yeah, they're older than you and you don't have the experience. So they're like, I like you, I trust you, but you don't, you know, I don't know if I want to give you all my money, you know, um, but you sell the team. Hey, my partner, he's been doing it for 10 years. He's got over a thousand units. We're using a property management company that has 20,000 units, you know? So you sell your team and then, then eventually you end up having that experience. What are your goals? What are your passions? And what are your, what's your why? Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll do the same, dig right in and, and, and you've got to ask questions to a question in that, you know, how do I get started? What do I have to offer? Well, start by figuring out who you are. You know, what do you like to do? Chances are that's what you're going to be good at because you have, you have a passion for it. And, you know, the, one of the most important things is having a deep rooted why. And, you know, when I, when I ask somebody, what's your why? And they just say, well, my why is my family. That's not good enough for me. You know, that's, that's great that they have that concept, but you need to dig in a little further and say, okay, why, what do you mean about your family? And why is that important that, that you support your family? What did they do for you in the, you know, each answer, you just dig in a little further and tell, you know, if you can get tears out of them, that's the best answer you're going to get. Right. And so, and so it's not just having a why it's having a deep rooted why, because there are going to be days where you're like, man, I've been working at this for a year and I don't have a deal yet. Okay. Well, what about, what if you quit now? And, and, and if you could fast forward five years, you'd be a raving success. You would regret it if you knew that and that you're quitting right now. So you've got you've to have a deep enough rooted why that on the hard days, on the doubtful days, on the days where you're, you're sitting there with an imposter syndrome, you've got to be able to kick your butt right out of that. And I'll tell you one thing that I do. So with my why, um, you, you know, we're obviously serving a military community, but I serve them with the memory and pride of those who've gone before me, for they love to fight, fought to win, and would rather die than quit. So in the special operations community, you would rather die than quit. And many of my brothers and sisters did. And I had to put them in the ground myself with my, with my burial detail. And so while you are living, you have purpose. As long as you are breathing, you need to find that purpose and put it to good use. You're not here to waste space. You're here to be productive 
whether that's in society or for your family or for whatever it is. So get out there, figure out what your passion is, what your deep rooted why is and go execute. I love that, man. I love that. And, and, you know, you, you talk about the longer term and, you know, I think that some of those people, when they're just trying to figure it out, they're thinking about how do I get my first deal? How do I start this? But that, that deep rooted why, you know, is like, look, after you figure it out, you're going to end up helping all these other people right. that don't even know it yet, you know, that are in your circle. And so, you know, that is huge. Um, is, is not only you and your family, but once you figure it out, all of your network that doesn't have exposure to anybody else but you is going to come to you and say, how'd you do it, man? And this is and a now- silly little correlation, but I think it's a really a ripple effect on uh, especially let's use the multifamily space um, for an example. Had I not chosen to take action when I saw an opportunity, I went to a, a conference and there was coaching available for in the multifamily space. And I was just like, okay, well, man, I'm going to, I'm going to give that a shot. I'm, I'm capable at this point And I have my why figured out. I'm a little bit more mature now. And I, I know that it, once I invest money in it, I'm going to make it a, little, a little bit. Yeah. And so, and this was my second go around the single family fix and flip, um, uh, coaching program. Well, I, I made 10 times the money I put into it because of the relationships that I was paying attention to that were in the room with me at that event. Um, but then the second go around, I was like, okay, I'm going to get into multifamily. Now, had I not done that, or wouldn't have had the experience recently where we were out at our 80 unit asset in Indiana and we had just installed a playground. There was no playground at this. It's right across the street from the school. And I experienced um, a father brought his four-year-old daughter out, and he was so excited that there was a playground for his daughter to go play on. And so you're not just improving the lives of your investors or improving the lives of your partners. You're actually, you have the ability, there's a ripple of, you can actually change the trajectory or the life of someone living in one of your units that has been just hoping that some owner would come through and do something great with this property that they love. So there's a lot of cool things that, that can go on with this. Yeah, that, that's huge. So when we were talking about scaling, you, you focused in on, okay, you tried a bunch of different things, then you found out what you liked and what you were passionate about. And then how'd you, so we didn't talk about multifamily that much now. How did you get into actual large scale multifamily? And then how did you, you know, scale that? That piece? Uh, yeah, it was through uh, persistence. Um, so I, I did get coaching um, and went through a, pro, a training program. And, um, and just really at that point, I was like, okay, well, this is... So first off, when you see people wearing board shorts and t-shirts who have a thousand units or a hoodie and cut off jean shorts or something, and you know, you're like, okay, they don't look the part, but how the heck did they do it? If they did it, I'm certainly disciplined and, and, not, and capable of of figuring this thing out. I just didn't know. I thought Wall Street was was the one buying these. I thought REITs were only the ones buying these multifamily assets. So until I had that exposure that a person like me or you or anybody could go out there and buy an apartment complex, I didn't know. So then I just, I bought the coaching. I committed to it. I burned the boats. I said, I'm just, this is obviously a well-traveled path. I mean, now I was like, holy cow, there's all these podcasts about it and stuff. Like I can learn this. And so... I followed the path. I networked my butt off and I was consistent. I was always showing up to meetings. I was always showing up to conferences. I was always telling people, Hey, 
um, I'm new and I'm looking for my first deal. Here's what I can offer. And when an, when an opportunity came, Hey Eric, we know you're hungry. We know you're eager. Can you help us out on this deal um, with asset management, investor relations, capital, you know, capital raising and, and a couple other pieces. My answer was first, yes. Then it was like, okay, now I got to figure out how I'm going to do all that stuff, right? Go hone, sure. hone whatever I can and learn along the way. But I built enough rapport um, to then work towards trust with, with many people in the industry and, you know, got into a, my first, my first deal, somebody else's deal. And then after you do that one or two times, you've got enough confidence and credibility and you go and build your own team and do your own deals. And so it's really just that those action steps that we talked about earlier, it's learn, network, add value, take action. Those are the building. That's the answer. It's the success formula that a lot of people will say, oh, okay, I've heard it a million times. Well, go apply it. Right. Go do it. Go, just don't stop doing those four things until you find success. And then, then once one deal is done, I mean, that's always the hardest deal. Then you've got all those things lined up. You've got the network, the resources, you've got credibility, you've got, a, you know, the whole thing is built up and then deals two through a hundred or whatever are way easier, um, are way simpler at least. So. Sure. You, you have a, a big focus on networking. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's huge in the, in the large scale multifamily space. And you, you, you did coaching a couple times. Mm -hmm. um, what was the biggest value to you on the coaching side? A hundred percent. It was the ecosystem. Um, the ecosystem. It, it, was, it was, it was, you, you know, you, my I, experience the same. Yeah. You think about it as an ecosystem because <clears throat> you've got everything you need in one bubble. And that's what we, we are doing for the military community. Now it's like, if you need asset protection, we've got legal consult. If you need tax help, we've got a, a, a tax guy. Um, if you need education, we clearly have that. If you need in-house lending, we have that. If you need a whole life strategy, we have, we have that. If you need a real estate agent who understands how to house hack a fourplex with a VA loan, we provide that. And so that's an ecosystem. Um, and, oh, and we speak the same language. And so I wanted to, I wanted to find a group of military people, I mean, of, 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 uh, multifamily people who speak, spoke the same language as me, you know, and who were understood that I am capable and that, that I could just network with. So it's, it's, to me, it's the ecosystem, but more specifically, definitely the network of people. And, um, and, and without the network, I think, especially in the multifamily space, it's really hard to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I only know of one guy who's, you know, bought thousands of doors on his own and, um, and he's now syndicating. So, uh, <laughs> it really takes a team and in order to build a team, you've got to expand your network constantly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the networks with say within a coaching group, the network, the ecosystem, um, it does a couple things. One is that potentially opens you up to partners that, you know, you can get involved with deals with, with, and also it does what you talked about before, you know, you see the, the guy in the board shorts, like, and like, man, if he can do it, I could do it. Oh, 100%. Like you see, and you start seeing all these different people. They're doing 100 units. They're doing 200 units. They're doing 500 units. And then all of a sudden, you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm full tilt. I'm going after this. If they could do it, I can do it. And that's important because a lot of people, I think, come into uh, real estate investing and maybe you know, their circle of friends and family aren't in that space. And there's a lot of naysayers that will kind of talk you out of it. And it's not that they're trying to be, you know, hurt you. 
but they don't know how to do it. So they're, they're cautioning you on something they, they yeah. don't know and they don't want you to get hurt. So, you know, they, they kind of advise you not to try. Yep. Um, but when you start seeing all the other people that are successful, it starts to give you that momentum and that, that juice. Yeah. And when you're getting started, I mean, I, when I said yes, the first time, um, I called my, you know, everyone on my phone, I was just like, okay, I think they might have money. I think they might have money, you know, not tons of money, but like, I don't know, they're a little older. They might have some savings. They might, whatever. Right. And so I just started calling people and telling them, but before you do that, you need to, you need to understand the process because your potential investors are going to have a lot of questions. You need to be able to uh, effectively educate them as well, including my mother. She invested in a, in a deal um, when I was first getting started. My uncle, who I rarely talked to, I called him, kind of cold called my uncle. And I was like, hey, I know uh, you might need, need a place to park some money and make a great return. Are you interested? Here's the thing. And he had seen that I was talking um, on Facebook, that I was talking on social media in general, I was talking about multifamily and he saw some of the things I was doing and knew I was in the space in general. So there was a little bit of credibility there at least. And then just having that conversation, um, you know, so it can be cold and it can, can feel odd, but uh, you, you got you to gotta warm up that audience and you got to know what, you gotta, what you're talking about first. Yeah. Um, so you bring up a good point there. You're talking about the, the capital raise side mm -hmm. and- you know, um, my wife was nervous, you know, she was like, maybe we shouldn't go to, you shouldn't go to your personal network, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And I'm like, why? Well, what if it doesn't work out? Yeah. And I'm like, well, look, we're investing, you know, my good money. I'm excited about the yeah. deal. I believe we're going to make a lot of money. Why would I only offer that opportunity to people within the multifamily space and not in our personal network? You know, I, if they're not interested, no worries. We just move on to the next person. But what was surprising, and I don't know if you've had, had the same experience, was there were some people that I thought were no-brainers that would invest. And there were others that I thought, no way mm, would they ever invest. Yeah. And there were some people that, you know, I was like, well, should I even reach out to this person? And then I did. And they're like, hey, can we go to coffee? And oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that you brought this opportunity to me. You know, and, and I was, it, you, you, get some surprises when you start making those phone calls. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. You never know who you're talking to. And um, one example of that is uh, I was talking two New Year's Eves ago, about two blocks from my house. I was just at a, a friend's house. And uh, there's probably 12 adults in this entire house and um, a bunch of kids running around. And I was talking to this guy and he's like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a multifamily investor. And at this point, I, you know, just closed one deal, maybe not even closed my first deal yet. And come to find out my neighbor, he's five blocks down the road, owns 6,000 units. Oh my gosh. Are you and, kidding me? Yeah. And, and so, you know, now oh. we're friends and we've had a scotch on the driveway during COVID and stuff hanging out, but you never know until you tell, until you tell people. So networking to me for sure is like a highlight. It's what I love. And, and that even um, translates into the asset management and, and um, acquisitions part of the job. I love going to our assets. One of the first things that we do is um, I'll schedule a meeting with the mayor and the economic developer, anyone in the city that I can get a hold of, and we'll have a sit down and I'll say, hey, we're a group of military real estate investors. We're coming in with good intention. We'd like to see how we could add value in this portion of town to help you with your goals. Remember, adding value to people, that's very catchy to, to someone's ears, their ears perk up. If you say, what are your plans for this town, for the city? 
And how I want to know how I and we in this asset can fit into that. And so when you do that, uh, you'd be surprised. We've had no issues. We've met with three mayors now uh, in three different cities. And um, that's a great resource to have whenever you have an issue or, you know, the economic developer comes and says, oh, hey, there's this um, there's this property, you know, on the other side of town that I'd love for you to take a look at, like bringing you deals, you know, just because you and we give them our book and a challenge coin, a military challenge coin, and and just get to know them a little bit, you know. And we're just that's, asking that's for huge. thirty minutes of their time, and so yeah, that, we love doing it's that. Thinking outside the box too, yeah. because not not everybody's doing that. Yeah, yeah, everybody should be doing that. Um, and it just it's just some it's a very small thing, but we're we lose track of how how connected humans really are and need to be because social media and email is so available and phone calls. But people, even if they wouldn't agree with it, uh, innately want human connection. Um, and especially people who are in uh, the political arena, they, you know, city officials and stuff, they, they rely on relationships to get to the next election, you know, or whatever. So, yeah, it can be very impactful. Absolutely. Um, so you're, you're an action guy. You, um, how do you coach people in your world or otherwise, how to step through the fear of, of that, doing that first deal or, or raising money for the first time or whatever the case may be. Um, how, do, how do you coach people on that? Well, a really regard? good, uh, an amazing part of our community is that everyone in our community has been through, well, not, a, not everyone's been through a deployment, but everyone's certainly been through basic training. So if, I mean, in basic training, there, there's one point where there's live ammunition being shot over your head while you're doing a low crawl, right? I mean, that's a, the first time you do that or throwing a live grenade, you know, even if you only do it one time, whoo, man, that is a real thing. Like you pull the pin on that thing and there's a whole arm motion that you got to do and you've got your drill sergeant in the pit with you, like kind of watching and it, you know, You've got to make sure that you're doing that thing right. And it's terrifying. So what I say is, man, there is nothing harder or scarier about real estate investing than anything you've done in the military already. Uh, it's a well-traveled path, as I've said before. Um, and part of the system and the ecosystem really is that's the security blanket. That's the safety net of we're teaching you things that we're actively doing, have done in the past, have tried and failed on and improved upon. Uh, we, we're military. We're very good at following a standard operating procedure, a checklist, um, and, and no one's getting hurt here. So, uh, so take that action step. So in our specific example, it's really neat to, court, to uh, correlate it back to the military and be like, look, you'll, you're fine. You'll be just fine doing this. Just move forward. Yeah, I mean, your example, definitely there's nothing about real estate investing that's as scary as crawling and having, you know, live ammunition shot above you. Um, but I, I believe, and I don't know that many, you know, service members, but I believe that the people, there's some things that they, they're comfortable with that piece, like they're trained for it. Yeah. yeah. And, and yet financial, like putting money aside, they don't know what the heck to do with that. You know, so there's still fear, you know, like, yeah, I, I know what I'm doing in the military. I'm trained for that. But like, um, man, yeah, I mean, I'm going to trust you guys, but 
what it's the hard. Mil- what the military does is we got you. Here's how. Go do this. What we do is we got you. Here's how. Go do this. We've done it Perfect. before. So Perfect. the drill sergeant who's helping you throw your first grenade, he's done it before. He's an infantryman. He's probably done it in combat. So there's that experience level helps the the trainee, the person who just needs that spark getting from deal zero or getting over the fear or whatever their objection might be, is just going like, look, we've done it. I understand, but you're moving forward. And so being direct and saying you are, you are, and making them say I am, I am, um, can you can overcome fear um, pretty pretty easily if you're persistent. That's awesome. Hey, let's talk about your childhood, man. Where'd you grow up? Brothers, sisters. Yeah, I grew up. Rich, poor. Um, I grew up. Uh, I mean, I would say middle class in Iowa. Um, detasseled corn in the in the you know starting from when I was twelve years old. Uh, always had a job after that, and um, yeah, I just. You know, if I wanted a new pair of soccer cleats, I would go mow lawns for them. Um, so not not comfortable uh, by any means, but loved my childhood and uh, obviously grew up in the 80s. And um, and it was fantastic. Graduated a semester early from high school uh, because we had an opportunity. My buddy and I that had was, it, That's different because, I mean, some somebody does that today, but, you know, back when you were going through high school, not too many people graduate early. We didn't uh, graduate early on purpose uh, or like we didn't say, well, man, we're, we're really smart. We're getting out of here. In fact, if I look back, I have no idea how they let us graduate early. (laughs) Um, The last semester must've been jam packed. If I, if I, you know, had to, had to guess. Um, But uh, anyway, we had an opportunity to move to California. My buddy and I, we went to culinary school out here. We were living with a, um, a friend of the family uh, who we treated like family or was basically family. Um, she was a Pulitzer prize winning author and, um, we lived in her guest house, watched her horses in Carmel Valley. And she, uh, was gracious enough to put us both through culinary school. And so I was a chef for a while in Carmel. Um, and then went to junior college, uh, because my girlfriend at the time's mother made me go to college. Um, (laughs) And then transferred to Santa, UC Santa Barbara after that for my bachelor's degree. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Hey, earlier you mentioned when you were young that you ha- just had it in you that you were yeah. going to be an influencer. So talk about like when you were young, what kind of was in your mind? What was, what did that look like? What did success look like? And, and how, how did you have the confidence that you were going to get there? Success when I was a kid looked like a job well done. Um, I think that it was part of an Iowa kid's upbringing or a lot of Midwestern states. I think your upbringing is, you know, um, very middle class. You're going to work, like I said, work hard for those soccer cleats. Mom doesn't have enough money to buy them. Uh, If you want Air Jordans, you know, the new 1989 Air Jordans coming out or whatever, you're going to go work for those. Or in my case, when I was 12, it was saving up for a moped, you know, and um, my buddies and all buddies and I all worked really hard over the summer. And so I, looking back, I, I would know that it's, and I use the word influencer a little different. I'm influencing people, not an influencer, like Instagram type influencer, right, but right. I loved no, to, I, in, I, I loved, it. yeah, I loved to influence people. I loved the, um, the idea that I could, and still to this day, here's a, a kind of a corollary example. I will take a book like Dave Ramsey, Total Money Maker, Total Money Makeover, or Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins, which is a total game changer. Um, and I will dissect it and break it down into 
a one pager. And I will share that with as many people as I can in my work, in my family, and whoever asks about why not to invest in the stock market. I'll use a one, I'll be like, look, check this out. I, I read the whole book. It was, it was super long. It was like 20 chapters and it was, you know, a couple hundred pages, a few hundred pages. Here's all the information in one sheet. I just like, here's the system. And so I always liked, I got gratification of showing people how to dissect something and to apply something that I've learned and applied myself. And so now looking at that, like that's what I do all the time is we go learn something, we break it down into something that's simpler to understand, and then we apply it, try it, fail, try it, hone it, and then make it great, and then and then share it with as many people as we can. So just I just kind of have always had, um, and I didn't choose that. It was just a personality trait, a character trait that I'm now recognizing as, as something in me. That's that's awesome. I I kind of asked that question because um, you know I think that some people they just know at an early age that they don't know exactly what they're going to do, but they know that they're going to have success, and and that that definition may change over time. Um, but I, I think that that's one of the, the steps is people have to decide that they want something, yeah. you know, that they want a goal, that they want to achieve something and then go full tilt after it. Um, you know, it's interesting you, now, uh, my wife and I have this conversation, uh, occasionally because I don't, I don't want to force my kids into real estate investing, you know? Right. But, um, my, How old are your my, kids? they're, uh, 11 and nine. And uh, two boys and my 11 year old has now just finished rich dad, poor dad. And uh, yes, I had to bribe him to get him to read that book, but, um, (laughs) but he's going to write a little report and we're going to have several discussions about it. uh, Lessons learned. And um, again, it's just that spark. And if, if he wants to choose to be in a nine to five, then, you know, and that's the, that's the discussion that that's fine. He, but he's going to, the difference is with financial, literacy or financial illiteracy in the U.S., my kids are going to understand finances. They're going to understand the investor mindset versus the saver mindset, um, how that applies to different uh, classes. um, And then they can choose what they want to do with their life. If they want to be an engineer or a doctor or a carpenter or whatever it is, that's their choice. But they're going to understand how money works. And that's not something that is generally taught to most of America. So no, I completely agree. And and I would, um, I did the same thing. And I would recommend you know listeners, you know, pick pick your one or two favorite books that you know motivated you, and have your kids read it. Um, you know, I would over summer, I would pick one book, and Rich Dad Poor Dad was the first book I picked uh, for the kids, and you know they had to read the book o- over the summer. And, um, you know, they didn't want to, but, you know, my son then ended up going and starting a, his own little business, um, reselling in limited edition sneakers and, awesome. you know, while he was in high school and look, he made great money for high school and and into college. But like the more important thing is the lessons learned, you know, he learned, you know, gross margin. He learned distribution costs. He learned how to market, you know, all those things. I'm like, you're in class. Most of the kids in that class, it's all theoretical, but you can apply it to, you know, this little business that you have. So that that's huge. I think that that's, um, I had another guest on 
that at one point she said to her, her oldest 16-year-old daughter, we'll either buy you a car or you can use ours and I'll, I'll buy you or I'll help you get the first investment property. And the, the daughter chose the investment property and now the younger ones are saying, hey, will you do that for me too? Mm-hmm. You know, and what a change in their life, you know, learning that at that yeah. age is huge. Yeah. Would you rather have 200 bucks a month in cash flow or use my old car with torn seats? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. You know, like it's, it's like incredible. You know, most kids just want that instant gratification. Most parents just provide that. So, you know, provide, I think that's fantastic that you're doing that. So um, what does freedom, I know, look, this, it may be a funny question because freedom with the armed services, I mean, um, but what does freedom mean to, to you? Uh, it's time freedom. Uh, it's got to be, you know, knowing that when I go to sleep, I'm making money. When I wake up, I'm making money. When I'm traveling, I'm making money. And um, it's freedom is not when I'm making money working. Um, and that's okay because I'm a, I'm a workhorse. So that's never going to go away. Um, with all the companies that we have, I also still have a W-2 full-time on top of everything else and all that. Oh, do you really? What, what, what do you, what do you do for W2? Uh, I'm a uh, sales manager. I've had the job since I left the military and it's, uh, I work from home. It's very comfortable. So having a full-time W2 in California, um, with, you know, five companies in at active duty, passive income and all of our investments and all that stuff, it's very busy. And so you have to keep track of it all. So time freedom, uh, to me right now, might look a little different than it does in five years, but right now it's, um, I work from home and can go, I spent a month in Hawaii this year doing my job, doing my, my entrepreneurial jobs. I can certainly asset manage uh, our apartments and storage facilities from wherever in the world. So I've set up a life at least right now where, uh, even though I'm still working a W2, um, that I don't have to be at my home base. I don't have to be home. So it's very flexible, very comfortable. Um, and so because it's comfortable, uh, I push myself outside of that comfort zone to get, you to can, get, you can, you can again, believe that. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That that's a, that's a challenge in itself. It's like you, you go through and there's all these uncomfortable steps. And then once you do it a few times, now you're like, Oh, those steps are easy now. Yeah. And and then somebody else challenges you like, hey, but have you done this? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then all of a sudden you have a, n- a new challenge to go to go after. So that's huge. Yeah, we, um, we just closed a 480-unit storage facility. And that was, that was my first storage deal. And it was my first JV. And so um, I'm not an expert in that field, but I'm working with some people who are amazing at what they do. And, you know, I'm having a lot of fun learning a new asset class. It's not stressful anymore. I know where I fit in on the team. Um, and, uh, so it's, it's pretty cool to push into a new, a new industry, new asset class. Absolutely. Um, Hey, I don't know if one thing comes to mind, but, um, one deal that you had a peculiar, you know, particular issue on and how you, how you ended up solving it. Yeah. A couple. So the first two deals that we did on our own, um, uh, one of them, we didn't, we didn't know we didn't we were ill prepared to raise capital for it believe it or not 
Um, our first deal we ever did by ourselves, we had to raise a million and a quarter. And this is like, okay, well, we're like, okay, well, we could probably do that in our network, but probably doesn't matter <laughs> when, when you're trying to close a deal. So we actually you need to do it. <laughs> so, so thankfully we were smart enough in the LOI and the PSA to build in two extensions and each extension, half of our earnest money went hard. No, no initial uh, money hard. Um, and we had to um, exercise both of those extensions. And um, I was freaking out a little bit, uh, but that freak out, that stress really got us across the finish line. Our whole team was stressed out and um, reached out to my mentors, reached out to my friends, reached out to more people than I probably even needed to. And we got, we got the money raised. Um, So that was one. And then another one, the first mobile home park we purchased together, uh, 71 units, and we were having a hard time finding debt. And we ended up, uh, you know, we purchased it for just under a million bucks and it's worth two and a half million now. Uh, so thankfully we we got it, we got it done. Um, but, and, uh, but we ended up finding a family office that funded debt and equity on that, on that deal. So, um, so those are some challenges. It, It all came down to just reaching, getting uncomfortable, pushing yourself. Yeah. Your back's up against the wall, but what are you going to do? You know, right. you've got to close this deal. We needed credibility at that time. We needed, you know, to prove to ourselves and to our community that we can do this. And um, so we really just applied the pressure and, and figured it out. Awesome. Awesome. And, and I don't know if you've reached out to any, but like, you know, with your networking skills, just learning that other people, you know, went through that hardship, that challenge on their first deal, you know, Raising the first 65, 70% can come quick. And that last 30%, man, can, can, can end up being a little bit, you know, dicey to, to bring in that last 30%. So um, you guys hustled and, and made it happen. Yeah, I know, I know people who have actually uh, not raised enough money to close, took out a loan to close, and then raised after, you know, raised the rest after close. They just needed a one-month buffer, and they ended up getting a, an actual loan. Um, uh, just a private loan to, to get it done. So it just, it's really like get creative, figure it out, get it done. Right. You know, right. Get it done. Yeah. Um, so what do you, uh, what's your next big stretch goal? Uh, right now we're focusing quite a bit on our community, uh, less multifamily and storage, um, more, what does our community need? How can we grow it? Uh, we are the first and biggest, uh, military real estate investing uh, education platform and community. We're actually recently named um, subject matter expert by National Association of Realtors, um, which is which is pretty big. Uh, we're going to help them revamp some of their education for military relocation professionals, uh, which is a, a designation you can basically purchase and go through a little training course, and then it looks like you're great helping military members, even if you weren't military. But we looked at it and we we're like, this is insufficient. This doesn't make sense. Everything is not right. So um, anyway, so that's great. Um, so focusing on the community, growing it, the next five years are going to be exponential for our company. Um, and ultimately, the, the big goal, uh, we donated two houses to Veterans Community Project last year uh, for housing homeless veterans. We plan to raise uh, between 500000 and a million this year. And then uh, mid term goal is to raise a million dollars a year for Veterans Community Project long-term. And then within this decade, we will end veteran homelessness in the U.S. Wow. 
the solvable problem. We just need uh, funds and to, you know, left foot, right foot. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I love people with huge goals. Why not? You know, so that, yeah. And that, that's huge goals serving other people. It's not all self-focused. Here's so. a, a cool thing about stretching goals too, for those, those of you listening out there getting started. Um, I was going to buy, I bought a turnkey property. My next year I was going to buy two properties somehow. The next year after that four, then eight, then 16, then 32. I was just for six years, I was going to double the amount of properties I was going to purchase. And I was like, that's, that's gotta be doable, right? Cause you've got a long time in between buying one to like buying 16 or something. So you can figure this out. So by the time I, I bought, you know, one and then I bought two and then I, I was like, okay, I need to buy four this year. And I was working with a partner um, in another city to, to do some, some uh, flips and stuff. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to, maybe I'll just go right to eight. And I said, and then I attended a con- that conference and I was like, I'm going to make it 800 and see what happens. And because I, I had I set a goal of 800 instead of eight, I ended up with over 400 that year. Um, wow. You know, and just so it, it's really, and, and, you know, it's really just stretch your goals and watch your mind work. If you're committed, it's just amazing. I'll be laying there at night and figuring out ways to solve problems that I never thought I would have the luxury of having, you know? So, that's, a, that's amazing. Well, I'm, I'm glad you shared that, that story because, you know, think, think big is, is an easy thing to say, yeah. you know, create big goals, but there's a perfect example, man. You were thinking eight properties and you would have been happy if you did that. And then all of a sudden you moved it to 800. You ended up with 400 instead of eight. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Hey, what do you like to do outside of work? Uh, my family and I love being outside. We just got an RV. Uh, we've been traveling all over the place in that thing. And, um, you know, uh, maiden voyage was Yellowstone this year. We've got, I mean, I live in Northern California, so we've got all year round, we can go amazing places, you know, Yosemite, the coast. We love the central coast in California, um, frequent that area. And so anything outdoors, we love to, to, um, get out there on our paddle boards, any water feature anywhere. We will seek out hot springs. We love going to what's the longest you've gone in the RV, uh, nine days, I think. Yeah. And we've only had it for three months. So we're, uh, at least once a month we've once or twice a month we've, uh, we've been going out. So very interested. So so my son is a junior at Texas A&M. My daughter we're bringing to, um, university of Arkansas next. I mean this week actually, as we record and, um, you know, my wife and I are going to be empty nesters. And so I'm like, Hey, let's do the RV thing. Right. And she's a little nervous. Yeah. She's a little nervous of doing it. So we're, we're going to rent, you know, for, for a couple of three days. Good for you. Uh, we, we did that too. To, 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 just to make sure that yeah. we're both on the same page, but yep. I, I'm looking forward to seeing the country a little bit and, and, um, that, that can scare a lot of, you know, people, a lot of just women, like, especially. Just like when you told your spouse that you were interested in real, real estate investing, it's, it is a sales process. You need to take, take, you need to take it slow, slowly educate them. And, and, and honestly right. with COVID, it was, uh, how can we be outdoors and still be able to do the things we love and not stay in hotels at the time and stuff. And so, you know, our, our assets pay for our liabilities and we figured why not? Let's do it. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad to hear that. 
Hey, uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you or get to know more about your company, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can find us uh, activedutypassiveincome.com or I'm Eric Upchurch on Facebook. You'll see my face and my family most likely um, or Real Eric Upchurch on Instagram. Fantastic. Well, Eric, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that one. Until next week, signing off. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend. 